Welcome to Crafting a Revolution, the podcast. My name is Katie Freeman, and I'm your host. I bring you interviews with makers, artists, and designers of all kinds from all over the world that identify as female, non-binary, or transgender. This week's guest is Caden Fitzgerald. Caden graduated from the nationally accredited graphic design program at the College of St. Rose with a BFA. Throughout his career as a graphic designer, he worked in an agency, a newsroom, and on marketing teams for global companies, which gives him a strong sense of designing for a wide variety of industries. Throughout his career as a craftsman, he has worked in flooring production, construction, a cabinet shop, and a countertop table production shop. These experiences give him the skills and problem-solving capabilities that allow him to bring his customer's vision to life with tangible materials. Caden's wide breadth of experience has given him the foundation to methodically apply what he has learned to his design, woodworking, and sign-making processes. His attention to detail, problem-solving, and considering how people will interact with the final product are a few things that Caden takes into account when working on projects. Um, I first uh, actually started following Caden because we have the same initials of KF, and I really love how he designed his logo for that. Reached out and let him know that I uh, really enjoyed his logo, and we just started chatting. And from there, uh, they say, rest is history, um, and happy to have him as a guest on the podcast. So we will go ahead and head into that conversation with Caden. Okay. Well, I like to start by asking my guests to introduce themselves. So would you do that for me? Yes, absolutely. So uh, I am Caden. Um, I am a trans woodworker and graphic designer and maker and creative cat dad slash caffeine <laughs> fiend. <laughs> Awesome. Um, and what uh, are your pronouns? He, him, and awesome. they, them, but mainly he, him. Okay, sweet. Thank you. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's get big picture on Caden, kind of, you know, your journey to where you are now. Um, like, where were you born, grew up, that kind of thing? Um, um, so... Yeah. Um, I was born in upstate New York, uh, in Amsterdam. Um, and then I moved to my hometown, Cambridge, um, when I was still just a wee tot. And so I was basically just, I was lived in Cambridge my whole life. Um, very rural, uh, upstate little town, um, which I really like. I like it. Um, and yeah, so I was there my entire school career, um, and then I enlisted in the Army at age 17. Um, so I had already 
said that I was going to go to the college that I ended up going to. Um, so I deferred that for a year. I was in the graphic design program um, at the College of St. Rose, which was really great. Um, unfortunately, it no longer exists. It was recently cut within the last year or two. Um, but yeah, so I did the Army and went to school and worked. Um, so I graduated in 2018 and started directly right into graphic design. Um, so I worked for a very cool local um, heritage and tourism um, company called Discover Albany. Um, that was great. And then from there, I segued into um, the Albany Business Review, which is a newspaper. So I did a lot of like print advertising and event design and um, a lot of production stuff, which was a lot of fun. Um, and then since then, sort of back, bounced back and forth between graphic design and trade jobs. So I sort of, um, when COVID hit, I wanted to see where else I could go aside from, you know, a corporate office type job. So I worked for, um, he's my cousin. Uh, he has like a, had a flooring shop in uh, Glens Falls. So I worked there a little bit, then realized just how much I liked working with my hands and liked wood grain and stuff. Um, so from there, I joined a construction um, group down in Chatham. Um, so it's almost to Hudson, New York. Um, and I got to, you know, be an assistant in cabinet shop there and learned a lot of the basics of milling and lumber and heard a little bit about wood movement. Um, so sort of where I built the platform of like learning how to safely use tools and knew I learned a lot of like what to keep in mind. I didn't know how to do anything at that point, but I learned a lot. It was a really valuable experience. Um, yeah, and then from there, I went back to design for um, protective industrial products, which is a PPE for construction and trade workers and whatnot. And then from there, I worked for a local butcher block company, um, did a lot of tables, and I learned how to finish with an HVLP sprayer and a spray booth and um, all that good stuff. So it's really cool that I've sort of taken bits and pieces from each trade and graphic design slash production job um and i've sort of throughout all of those experiences i was able to sort of piece together a really strong foundation for you know working off of for woodworking so it's been fun mm -hmm. yeah so like when did when did you make that like a, an actual i'm guessing it's still a side hustle like the woodworking business so when did you kind of start you know, making your own work and stuff? Um, I mean, so it was hmm, 2020, I think, um, that I first started like dabbling and like buying tools for myself and making things. And I was like, well, I'm making all of these things. So what do I do with them now? So I did <laughs> one market at that point. It was a called Capital Rec Reclaim Pride. So it was a queer event, which was really awesome. Um, and yeah, so I did that and people sort of just keep reaching out with um, custom work and I got to work on a couple of signs 
recently, recently, which was really Mm -hmm. great. Um, But like leading up to that, it was a lot of just experimentation and, um, you know, a lot of reading, a lot of, a lot of reading um, and a lot of just like research and learning as much as I can. And um, yeah. Okay. And I mean, I know like you do a lot with a CNC, like how would you get into, like for someone who's, I would say, you know, not been like woodworking super long and then like kind of jumping right in, it seems like anyways on higher level technology, like what sparked your interest there to go that direction? So the butcher block company that I just worked at, which I left in November, um, they have a massive CNC. It's an avid CNC. And I think the whole length of it is about 20 feet. Um, okay. So they cut out custom shapes of, you know, sink cutouts and, you know, wrap around that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, so I was just, it was really cool to see it in action. And because I have so much software experience with graphic design and I have a lot of production experience. So the last graphic design job that I had was prepping artwork for heat transfer, screen printing, embroidery, um, making mock-ups and making the artwork so that the warehouse was able to use it with their machinery. Mm -hmm. Um, So that gave me a lot of the ends of what I needed Mm -hmm. to do to prep the artwork for the machine. Um, And then the rest of it is all experimentation with like, um, you know, seeing what feed rates to do, how much can I push the CNC because I've been running it very conservatively since I got it um, just because it's a learning curve Um, and knowing when to push, where to push, what limits Mm -hmm. um, and knowing like knowing how to listen to the machine in what it's telling me based on the sounds that it's making or the kind of dust and chip coming out. Um, So I feel very blessed in the fact that it wasn't much of a learning curve for me to use the software and to program it and whatnot Mm -hmm. um, just because of the design and production experience that I already had. Yeah. I definitely think I have a better understanding of the, like now that like I'm in grad school at an art school. And so like I, always knew what graphic designers did and stuff, but I didn't realize like how related just the the file output was to this, so, you know, so similar to file outputs for manufacturing or from CAD systems. Like I didn't realize how closely related they were yeah. um, until I started having to teach, frankly, until I started having to at least teach basics for a lot of the softwares that like illustrator and stuff that graphic designers use all the time so Mm -hmm. like that was where it really clicked for me I was like oh like it would probably be super easy you know um comparatively to somebody who's like never had any experience to to make that jump absolutely Um, and that's what I love is because like I use a Shapeoko um it's a Shapeoko 4 XL um and it comes with its own, you know, I mean, most of them have their own standard software. So it's Carbide Create to create the artwork in and then um, create the tool paths and then you run it in Carbide Motion. Um, but I don't create my artwork in Carbide Create. 
right. create all of my artwork in Illustrator because that's my tool. I know how to use it. I know the shortcuts. It's super comfortable for me. Um, and then I just pull it into um, Carbide Create. And can you not eat the flower? Thank you. <laughs> um, so I pull the artwork into Carbide Create and then I just size it accordingly because it always brings it in smaller than what I created it as. Um, but yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a vector, so you can scale it up and scale it down with no image right. issues. Yeah. I mean, and, and similar, uh, I would say, uh, process or practice I have as well, except for instead of illustrator, I'm doing it in AutoCAD and then I bring it into, um, VCarve is the one we use at school and it will mm -hmm. also happen to be the one that I get to use once I get, uh, my Avid up and running. So like. I've I've appreciated school like you appreciated work I've appreciated school of like this is something I legit am actually going to get to use like at home and as soon as I want to like I can start doing it now and I'm like I'm glad I had a semester of like you know kind of fire hose learning but still learning how to run the CNC and the software so then my curve won't be as steep when I'm doing it on my own. That's awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, just having the basics is huge. And then just understanding what to look out for. Yeah. And then the rest of it is all basically experimentation and like just seeing yeah. the way things work and how, yeah, I love that. That's awesome. That's exciting. Yeah. And I mean, you and I have talked a bit, like, I know I want to do more of a 3D element. Like a lot of what I do at school, I would say is is very 2D. You know, it's like a it's a yep. flat pack style. Um and so I definitely can't wait to get my own up where it's like I'm not as scared if I break something on it and experimenting. But like yeah to do the more 3D shaping and stuff. Um because ideally like the CNC to me is a way to let me keep working without um, by while trying to reduce the amount of stress on my own body so that it's like I can keep doing these things that I want to do forever and yeah if you know of course there's an amount of like taking care of yourself but at some point like everybody ages and joints and bones and muscles do not move the same way they used to so absolutely having something like accessibility to a cnc is huge yeah um, no I agree yeah and I'm interested in doing like 3d carving and stuff too but um like you said like it, it takes time and like mm -hmm. I keep trying to, to remind myself it's one step at a time um and building a foundation first before trying to jump in up here mm -hmm. you know so far ahead of where I'm at is worth doing because like the CNC is always going to be there Right. So I don't need to, I don't need to rush to try to do everything because like, it's mine. It's in my shop. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Where is your shop space at? Is it at home or are you in a shared space or? Yeah, it's in my house. Nice. So very I'm, nice. I'm very privileged and I feel very grateful for that. Mm -hmm. Does that mean your cats are shop cats? No, gosh, no, no. I have mixed feelings about shop animals just because I think about the fact that we take all the precautions where we should right. for those who don't. 
um, when it comes to wood dust and breathing it in. It's like, okay, it's a carcinogen. A lot of what we work with in shops are carcinogens. So yeah. what does that do to our little baby's lungs, you know? So <laughs> my, True. my animals are also just big babies. So they're scared of the smallest thing mm-hmm. because I don't know, it's just us. So yeah, yeah. They wouldn't I get the sound of tools. <laughs> yeah, I only, I only have two animals that are, that their curiosity beats out their fear, you know? So I've always got like, one cat and the puppy who are like trying to get into the garage while I'm out there and (laughs) I'm kind of the same thing but maybe more so like like I am like I just don't want you out here because I feel like I'm just like with kids like I'm gonna have to watch you Mm -hmm. (laughs) 24-7 make sure that you're not getting into something you're not supposed to be getting into yes um and I am definitely not organized uh, enough of a person to have the shop like pet slash kid proofed at all times. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, which is fair know. because, like, it's a shop space. There's power tools. There's only, yeah. I feel like there's only so much you can do <laughs> to make it safe for those who don't right. quite get it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a constant conversation with my kids of like, do not touch my stuff because you don't know what it does. Or how you can hurt yourself with it. Mm-hmm. Really. Um, so far, the ignoring hasn't uh, resulted in any injuries. And I hope Good. that it ever does. But yeah. Um, so I kind of want to ask too about, you know, you've kind of laid out the nice foundation and journey into woodworking and, and making. I want to understand how the the journey of, you know, gender identity has either aligned with that or played in with that at all. So that's interesting because like, there have only been a few positions that I've had that I was out at either by choice or just by the fact that paperwork said something different. Um, That was, that was a while ago. Um, but you know, now that everything aligns with, you know, everything that has to do with the background check or any, any employment related stuff, um, the environments that I was in were filled with a lot of pretty, uh, not controversial, (laughs) conservative people. So I never brought it up myself. I had definitely had people ask, um, like just straight up asked me, like, are you trans? And there was this one time, it was funny, it was when I was in construction down in Chatham. Uh, this man comes up to me and he's like, I can I ask you a question? Can I ask you a personal question? And I was like, sure, go, go ahead. <laughs> and he's like, Are you special? And so I have alopecia universalis. So I have no hair, no eyebrows, no eyelashes, nothing. And I look at him and I'm just like, well, my mom says I am, you know, (laughs) my mom says I'm special. And he's like, no, but like, you don't have facial hair. And I was like, you're right, bud. I also don't have eyebrows or eyelashes. So what are you getting at here? Right. <laughs> um, and he was like, he, he, he ended up asking me and I was like, that honestly, like, just isn't your business. Like either way, yes or no, like that, that doesn't, right. 
yeah. it doesn't do anything like we're coworkers, yeah. and that's that's that um but otherwise like other than a couple few just like conversational things i'm grateful that i have not had issues in any of the trade environments that i've worked in um i've never you know gone out and said like hey i'm trans because safety was in my the, yeah. the forefront yeah. of my mind because like it's a bunch of mostly men mm-hmm. mostly cis men as i assume um and a bunch of power tools and 40 foot scaffolding and no harnesses and no hard hats and I was like I just don't want to be put in a position where an accident could happen Mm -hmm. or something could happen that somebody would say is an accident so I was just proceeded with caution and the way that I went about it was I'm here to get as much information as I can as safely as I can as long as I can until I feel like no longer that is no longer an option um and unfortunately some of the reasons that I had to leave those places had like it didn't even have anything to do with mm-hmm. the environment when it comes to coworkers or peers it was more just like health related stuff that I had going on mm-hmm. um so I think it's been interesting to navigate especially like knowing that some of these people don't know that I'm trans and seeing the way that they act around me versus how they would act when a woman comes into the shop. Um, So that was always very interesting. Um, But yeah, so that's been the journey thus far. And I mean, is it your, is it one of your goals or your hope to do your own business full-time? Yes. So I, I definitely am working towards that um, slowly, but surely. I mean, things take time and I'm mm-hmm. happy with the the pace that I've taken things. Um, Cause I feel like if I tried to do it any faster, I would have been taking on too much at once. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I am very happy with growing organically and slowly. Um, Cause I, you know, I don't want to build an audience from, you know, one viral video that people are gonna watch and then never actually buy my product. So I'd rather build it in a way that, you know, the people who follow me are actually interested in what I do and how I do it and um, who I am. Um, So actually that's something very recent that I've done is I actually put like the trans flag in my bio on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Because before that, it's been a little bit of a battle for me. Cause I'm like, okay. For what? So listen, she can help us look for the wrong Mama said we could watch TV Okay. We check on the remote. Next remind time. her, remind her that I'm doing podcasts, please, and that she needs to help. Remind her that you need her help because I'm doing this podcast. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I've got um, kids of my own too. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, crap. Where is he going? Oh, so your own business. Yes, is where you hope to get to. Um, is any of that? Do you feel like any of that is due to wanting to create your own safe space 
Absolutely. Um, after being in the trades for, let's see, like the last three-ish years, I mean, and also I was in the military. That's also a big part. Mm-hmm. So I was in the military for six years um, and I came out while I was in the military and when they released the class on what trans people are. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's a, it's a goal down the line to be able to host workshops and classes for queer, gender nonconforming people, women, you know, people who typically aren't seen in the trades or supported in the trades mm-hmm. um, and be able to bring that to different communities that, you know, are interested in, but aren't typically welcomed with open arms, yeah. you know, I mean, cause like what I've seen in my experiences is a lot of the people that I learned from we're all cis white men for the most part. Um, and a lot of them were older, like almost yeah. retirement. And they have all of the information of this stuff. So once they pass, mm-hmm. did they have an opportunity to pass the torch to anybody else? You know, and where is that knowledge going? So I feel very grateful that I've gotten to learn a lot from some of these folks. And that I, I would love to have the opportunities to pass the information on to people, you know, especially queer people in the community mm-hmm. and create that safe space. Like, I know that there are places like Yes Tomorrow and um, some of the other shops and um, schools, but nothing in my area, really, aside from a couple mm-hmm. art centers, which those are great, too. Absolutely wonderful right. resources. But yeah. Yeah. Have you found uh, so far the community on social media to be welcoming? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's where a lot of my questions tend to go to, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, between you and there's a handful of others that I really, really value, slightly acute. Um, And like Helmsman Joinery, I really love seeing them and this one that I actually just connected with it's a um furniture building studio down in New York City I believe it's Lemon Mm -hmm. studio um so even just seeing other trans people out there succeeding Mm -hmm. in this realm and building community in this realm and being able to feel safe and supported and successful Mm -hmm. in the trades in woodworking in furniture building you know it's been transformative for me Mm -hmm. um and it makes me see that it is possible and that is something that I am capable of doing the time it will take time but it's just it has been a huge shift in the last year specifically for me to Mm -hmm. see like okay this isn't just their space this is our space this can be our space too right yeah how did it feel or what was like kind of maybe the conversation like in your head to decide to put the trans flag up on your profile page so that's one that I've battled with for a long time because like I don't it's not that it doesn't matter to me, but it's just the way that I approach it is like, there's more to me than just being trans. So I would like people to see that before they see 
that I'm, you know, before they see that I'm trying right. not that I'm like hiding it. It's just like, I want them to value me as a person before they'd start to tie other things to it. Um, yeah. so for so long that, that was my approach. And I was concerned, like, will people not support me because I'm trans? Um, mm-hmm. and it took a while to, to work through it, but like, if, people choose not to support me because I'm trans those are not my people those are not my customers that is not my audience that's not who I'm trying to reach the people that I'm trying to reach are the people in the community the people who support what we Mm -hmm. do and the people who you know stand up and fight back when there's legislation going to going through the ranks and all that kind of stuff so yeah it has been a big step but I, I tried to do it in the past and then I took it down a day later and I was like, this isn't right. And I wasn't trying to push myself into territory that I wasn't quite comfortable and didn't feel like I was stepping into with intention. But now I feel like I'm stepping into it with way more intention. And while it's a terrifying time to be trans, Mm -hmm. I feel like now more than ever, I need to be out there. And I need to be showing that like, look, I'm just another guy out here mm-hmm. trying to live my life, trying to be happy and safe. And you know that trans people can be successful despite all mm-hmm. the bullshit that the media tells us and that all of these super conservative people try to try to do. Like, it's just, yeah, it's is really important to me now to include that in my work because also mm-hmm. it informs so much of my work. Like there are reasons and the ways that I went about learning these things within woodworking, a lot of it was tied to my identity. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a struggle that I would say almost almost every every probably woodworker or maker has had on both on social media and outside of social media just because I feel like the default when you say like woodworker is like the default is like an old straight white guy right like that's the, yeah like that's the default that everybody sees in their head And so, like, because that's what everybody sees in their head, it almost feels like we have to, it's like, well, I'm not that. And I don't want you to see that when you see my work. Mm -hmm. So therefore, I need to, like, have all these clarifiers, um, you know, behind my name or whatever on social media, just so, like, you can see or maybe take a second to think about how my full identity affects how I work and why I work and what I see. Um, it was in a joking conversation with some fellow grad students yesterday, but uh, I was having a conversation just about picking up on body language. And I was talking to you know one male student, one female student, and the male, the guy not getting it. Like, he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. 
And so I looked at, you know, the female student. I was like, you get it, right? Like, this is what we do. And she was like, yeah. And, you know, in, in, and I love this guy to death. And, but he was like, well, it's because I think women just have magical powers. I said, no, it's because we have to, to survive. We have to be able to read people's body languages. We have to understand when we walk into a room, we assess every last inch of that space because we need to know if we're safe or not. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where it comes from. It has nothing to do with like, you know, we got something extra in the DNA or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but it's the same way, you know, I bring that up just because like it's the same thing in the conversation right you don't see a bunch of white guys like putting that they're a white dude on their profile or you know occasionally I'll see dad or something like that I'm like okay you know but it's because it's like it's an an assumption you see a woodworking page you don't even have to see the individual and you automatically assume that it's like an old white guy Mm mm-hmm and so, yeah, it's it's a decision we all have to make of, okay, how much do I want to push my identity? Because there is pushback on that sometimes. I've listened to like male woodworking podcasts and listened to them, you know, all go on a rant for one whole episode of why do you have to put, you know, mom woodworker or mom and wife or whatever? You... Give it a second why do you need to you know put this on there like i just want to see your work and and i don't know like that also upsets me hearing that because it's like yes i do want you to just see my work and see me as a woodworker however until people stop filling in the blank when they hear the word woodworker i need to let people know like no like please don't come into my dms or in my comments and just assume like you know everything about my identity because you don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's I, I love that you say that too, because for me, I lean I lean into both sides of mm-hmm. myself when it comes to like I'm trans, yes, I'm a woodworker and I'm a veteran. I served in the military for six years. So it's interesting when I see people's face when they learn that I'm a veteran. And they're immediately like, okay, you're a veteran. So that means that you align with the same views of a lot of people who are in the military Mm -hmm. and, you know, like the blue line type of thing. And Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, so take that information, take the fact that you know that I'm trans and that I'm a woodworker. Like, it's just interesting to see the overlap and then also see people's assumptions based off of just the tidbits that they know. Because like there's so much more to everybody than mm-hmm. just a few labels. Um, yeah. The labels do help for sure. Um, I mean, th- it's natural for the human brain to want to categorize things. It's why we're constantly yep. trying to fit people into boxes. Um, <laughs> but it's, I see it on both sides because like with say like people on the left and they learn that I'm in the military, sometimes I've seen it as an automatic write-off for me as a person and it's like that is such an interesting thing to see especially when 
like the military is part of what radicalized me in seeing just the lack of equity and that um, a lot of the young black people that I went through basic training with, their choice was, in, you know, they were, were in the court system. Their choice was to either enlist or go to jail. And it was for the same kinds of things that a bunch of white kids do, but the white kids didn't get in trouble for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just a lot of like, it brings up a lot of questions for me about like, how far will you, are you really willing to go with your Black Lives Matter type yeah. of information and then your hate of the military and those kinds of industrial complexes. Like I don't support the military industrial complex. I'm still proud of my service. And I'm proud of, you know, the 17 year old me and the reasons that I enlisted because I, that was what I was told that I was going to do the good things. Um, right. So I definitely see it from both sides. And then, you know, people in the trades that are also more conservative and then they find out that I'm trans and that's for them also a total write off yes. as yeah. me as a person. So it's interesting to navigate these spaces and the amount of overlap that comes and it's also the amount of people that just write me off because of these things and it's like see you guys aren't even taking the time to get to know people you're just taking these labels and you are writing people off because of it or you're leaning into it because of it right and And i think so much more nuance i think there's like i think there is a little bit of fairness in the sense of like if you hear like one of the list of items about somebody right maybe not writing off but maybe changing or testing the waters in a different way until you can feel like fully safe with a person Mm -hmm. right like i will admit usually when i meet somebody in here military i'm cautious Sure. Um, I, I don't think I ever just straight off write off somebody um, until they hit more <laughs> it's like there's definitely more like warning bells that have to go off and then yeah. I'm like okay still not writing you off as a person but we ain't hanging like we're not like having you know a conversation for hours or anything like that um, mm-hmm. Because there is something I do think, and sometimes I'm I feel just too tired to do it. But I do think a lot of times where I'm like, I start see myself slipping into the black and white thinking of things. Like it's either this or that. There's no in between. Yeah. When I feel myself slipping into that, which I also think is just normal human nature to do. Absolutely. Um, I try to stop myself and go wait. I might not change their mind, but if they even are just in my orbit, even the smallest bit, maybe just seeing how I live my life might. Yep. Like it might at least soften them a little bit. It might give them somebody to think of when, you know, they're writing their governor to sign some anti-LGBTQ thing into place. Like it might give them somebody to pop into their head and go, oh, like, is this something I want to personally ask to be done to somebody that I know? Mm -hmm. Like, so I feel like we can't just write somebody completely off. 
Yes. Even if like we vehemently disagree with like everything that comes out of their mouth, because otherwise they never see somebody like me as human ever. Exactly. Like they're just, they will never see that. So it's like, you can't, you have to, it sucks. It really does. Some There are many a people who are not, you know, uh, keep my mouth shut around. But I do know that, or at least I think that it could lead to better acceptance down the road. I agree. Um, I agree. You know, so yeah. But I do, <laughs> I feel like you are the biggest two worlds you're probably between are the queer community and the veteran community. I don't know if there's any two that are quite as opposed as those two communities. Yes. Yeah. It has been um, interesting to navigate. And Again, I will say, like, within the military, I never experienced anything outright terrible, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Like, when I came out to my commander right after I started testosterone, I let him know, and he was like, okay, like, um, I appreciate you letting me know, like, is is something that you aim to do is shift into the male barracks and whatnot. And I was like, no, that is not something that I would like to do because I value my safety. (laughs) Um, And I felt safer staying with the females and, you know, it was just, that was what it was. And for me, like it didn't shift who I was at all. It just, it was part of the game. Um, and yeah. I don't resent any of that. Um, but yeah, it's quite a different, um, different, different groups of people. <laughs> yeah. Something that I do want to do is find a way to get connected to more trans veterans. Cause there's a lot that the VA is working on, um, mm-hmm. to improve their trans care and whatnot. Um, which has been really cool to see that shift since 2019, um they've done a great job does any of this current legislation that you know of is it putting a halt to any of that or changing not that i not that i know of right now um i'm also quite blessed to be in new york state yeah um so but also everything with the va is federal as opposed to state so that is a really good question. But as of right now, I have not received any communication from any of my doctors about any potential issues. Um, That's good. Yeah. I'm great. Yeah. New York is like one of the, the few that are still safe. Um, yes. <laughs> there was a time that I was so set on moving out of this area. It was 2019 into 2020 and then the pandemic hit and I was like I'm gonna move out of New York State and I'm gonna work for some large corporation and be a big fancy graphic designer um and then I started looking and I was like oh okay I only have like six states that will that are that are safe yeah (laughs) because like there are some that have you know no protections and there are some that you know it's illegal to harass trans people blah 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 and then there are ones that just sort of walk the line they're like hands up like whatever happens happens I guess nothing's legal nothing's illegal and I was like no I don't want I don't want any of that I'll just stay in New York (laughs) which like I'm more than happy here so yeah we 
uh, I live in Iowa and mm. it's been a horrible year. Yeah. And we're only getting into May. Um, there have been many a times where it's like I'm, you know, crying angry tears and fearful tears and not even fearful for myself at this point. It's definitely I'm extremely fearful for my children. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, we started the kids at a private school when the pandemic started, mainly because neither one of my children really do a great job of learning via uh, Zoom. Yeah. So it was like, we need a school that's going to still meet in person. <clears throat> and one happened to start basically to meet a need. Um, Non-religious private school, the only way I would go. Um, but now we're kind of staying with it because of all of the things that have passed in our legislative um specifically target schools and making them not safe for many people within our community um not even not not even this i don't mean it to sound the way it's going to say but not even just trans like i mean everybody yeah. within the queer community absolutely um, is being targeted um and <laughs> which there's also politics and different groups within the queer community too that um, yeah. unfortunately we have to continue to fight as well um, but yeah it's it's been a scary thing and it and it has us as parents being in a tight spot too of like okay if we stay here we have to continue to pay private tuition which is not cheap but you know yeah. private tuition so that our kids are we feel our kids are safe um to be who they want to be, to be who they are. <laughs> That's really what we want them to be safe to do. Uh, or we have to look at moving and like uprooting their whole entire little lives, which is also like a traumatic experience for like a kid. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, you, we're literally put in this huge, like it feels like no decision decision is the right decision. Yeah. <laughs> you I know? can't imagine. Uh, because my wife and I are lucky too that, uh, especially once I get done with school, I had previously been doing work from home and she works from home. So it's like, that part has never been, you know, a, a worry that we had to worry about jobs. But yeah, kids make everything more difficult. I wish I could put mine in a carrier, like a, a fur baby and just take it with me. <laughs> oh, if only. If I think only, I think that, that they wouldn't protest. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I think the airline would be a little confused if a big carrier came through with a couple of kids in it. Uh -huh. <laughs> I think actually my kids would have a blast with that, but that's a whole separate story. <laughs> <laughs> uh. um, yeah. So stay. You stay in New York, and uh, yeah. There's just not many places to go, unfortunately. No. So with kind of the combination of things, I know I've also noticed like some of the recent work you've been sharing, which is definitely geared towards, I would say, more those in the community than not. I heard sounds. You have five more minutes. 
For me, thank you. Um, <laughs> most people outside, that's not even fair. There's lots of people who venture into kink outside of queer community, but I would say that that's like the the precipice or the place where most of it gets started. Yeah. Um, yeah. So sharing that on social media, I'm also <laughs> curious, like, has there been any uh, any negative feedback from it or just all, everybody's still on board with it all? Um. Well... <laughs> I, I have not received any negative feedback. I think that um, the there are very specific people that mm -hmm. follow me that understand and engage with it. And then there are people that, you know, may not quite get it, but, mm -hmm. you know, they see it and I haven't experienced any issues. And also, like, if they have an issue with it, like, that's fine. Right. Go somewhere else. Like, right, right. I'm, I'm not showing anything graphic of how it's used right. and right. It's so so the person that I'm I've made I made the cross for is a local boudoir photographer um and I've known her for a decade so I've known them since before I transitioned so it's just really cool to reconnect now and be able to work with them and make mm -hmm. that and make something beautiful um and functional um and I don't know it's fun like even some of the things that I make I may not be personally into right. but it's just for me it's making something that people appreciate in whatever manner that mm -hmm. is beautiful functional safe and yeah because something that I was noticing is a lot of kink furniture um that I have seen is painted black and mm -hmm. I wanted to think of a way that it could be a little bit more elegant and a little yeah. bit more sexy than just like mm -hmm. painted black pine. So yeah. I did just make a St. Andrew's cross and I used ash, I used white ash and I used a Rubio monocoat intense black pre-color and coated it with a charcoal 2C oil, hard, hard wax oil finish. Um, and it's stunning. It's absolutely mm -hmm. stunning. And I mean, it's a finish that I would love to use for some other, you know, day-to-day -day non kink related furniture. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but it's just, it's so elegant and it's so beautiful and combined with, you know, some of the black hardware and metal and yeah. stuff. I was like, I, it's just fun to make. Um, I'm a problem solver from mm -hmm. design related stuff to woodworking. And I like to, you know, find ways to achieve people's goals and create beautiful and functional things is that but it, i is that a field like you are interested in exploring more making for because i feel like i do feel like there's probably a need for it like i don't feel like a lot of people maybe venture into it or yeah uh, you know because the the what it comes with is is considered taboo and so it's like not necessarily something I think a lot of people do but <clears throat> I've been told like even by one of my instructors at um at grad school that like there was one like international furniture show or whatever they went to and there was a designer there his entire booth was all um you know sex furniture and so it's like 
yeah, there's definitely like obviously a market for it too. And not one that I feel like is overrun by a lot of people. So yeah, is there, do you think you will explore that anymore? Um, I mean, yes, I definitely am interested in making more. Do I, am I going to build my business around it? Probably not. Um, mm -hmm. Because I enjoy making all sorts of things. Like I love making signs. Making signs is so much fun for me because it's a perfect sort of integration of my graphic design and my woodworking and sign making and CNC skills. Um, as for, you know, kink related furniture, it's so much fun to make. And especially being able to collaborate with people who obviously understand what they're looking for a bit more than I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. and being able to pick their brain and listen to what works and what may not work and present ideas that I have that may be perfect, but also may not at all work for what they're looking yeah. for. Um, it's, it's another one of those fun problem solving things for me. And I will never king shame anybody. Like it may not be my thing, but I support you and your choice to do whatever you want to do consensually. Um, yeah. so it's it's a lot of fun. I was I've actually been designing a couple paddles. Um, paddles are not my thing. I am a gentle boy, um, but they're fun to make and design, and um, they're beautiful too. So it's a lot of fun. Um, so I'm absolutely open to customs. I take a lot of custom work. So if anybody was interested, I would absolutely work with them. You know, I wouldn't write them off just because of that. Um, because it's it's so much fun it is um I think it's still so much fun because it is one of those things of I can't remember which who I was talking to a maker about but they said sometimes you know they intentionally throw something out into the universe that can be seen sometimes as controversial just to you know it's, it's like one of those things, like sometimes you go to a post and you see enough of the content to be like, oh, I need to go to the comment section. Because <laughs> that's really where the entertainment is at, is in the comment section for mm -hmm. these posts. Um, so yeah, I think there could be a, an allowance or, I don't know, I think it could end up being a thing where you could get conversation going. Um, within the community not just not just specifically about like the the kink stuff but like other things that we maybe get contacted to make that are seen that could be seen as taboo or could be seen as controversial yes, um, yes. and putting it out there because like every object that we interact with was designed by and then made by somebody think mm -hmm. so you know, there's a whole world out there that a lot of us don't know about. Yes, absolutely. And I think it'd be fun to highlight some of those, some of those things that are kind of hush hushed a lot of times. I agree. Yeah. And the thing for me that I've been thinking about is like, um, how would I market? Like if I were to take on more custom work like this, mm -hmm. how would I market this? 
Um, you know, what kind of, what kinds of words would I use? What kinds of imagery would I use? Um, would it be on a section, a different section of my website that sort of like when you go onto any pot related website or porn website or sexually sex toy related, you have to click a button that says I am 18 or over. Do I need one of those spots on my website? Like, I don't know. Um, so it's definitely a thought in my mind. Um, I'm not saying yes or no either way, but yeah. it's, it's definitely fun to think about. Do you sell much on your website or is, are mm-hmm. people reaching out to you directly? People typically reach out to me directly. Um, I have a section on my website that I actually just put up a couple weeks ago. So it's a shop, but there are absolutely mm-hmm. no products up there at this time um, because I just had my <laughs> first market last weekend and I have another one next weekend. Um, and then I have two in June and my sister's wedding is also thrown in there too. So um, I'm just basically trying to make a bunch of product and then um potentially load some up on there after one of these markets but potentially Mm -hmm. just after I wrap up all of them and get ready for you know some more summer and fall markets Mm -hmm. yeah how was your first market experience it was awesome so I mean I did one a couple years back but it was different this time I was a lot more intentional with my products and the way that I displayed them but it was really good I mean we had to shift the date to our rain date and it still rained but there were so many people that came out and it was amazing to see the amount of support that we had like because the the title of the market was a big gay market Mm -hmm. um so it was just phenomenal to see the amount of people that still came out even though it was drizzling and it was cold and whatnot so um yeah it was really cool and I even had a couple people who had bought from me a couple years ago and they were like oh I still have your coaster so it was really heartwarming to see people who had already bought from me who were returning (laughs) because they they already have my work so it was really cool yeah that's that definitely is always a great feeling and I give all the props to you because that is not like that's not an easy undertaking to do a market you know having to build up the inventory for it market it yourself in addition to like the market marketing it um building the displays yeah the displays like all of it like there's just nothing easy about it so definitely give you big props for that Um, thank you I definitely could not have done it alone though Um, I put my tent next to my friend Ash Um, they they were a big part of you know fundraising for the market because the market was a fundraiser essentially for this camp called Camp Unirondack it's a it's a local LGBTQ youth camp so they they take a bunch of kids um, there are shuttles provided from Albany um and the the kids don't have to pay so everybody that goes there is able to go there for free Mm -hmm. um and it costs about 200 dollars per kid to send them for for the time that they go so between two of the fundraisers between you know the one that ash was doing which was like an envelope challenge and then the portion of proceeds that people donated from the markets between the two, I think it was over $4,000 raised, raised total for a campaign around deck. Um, anyway, but Ash, you know, the people that I was booth next to, they helped me break, break down and, you know, set up and everything. And mm-hmm. 
that's such a cool thing about that market too, is like everybody was willing to help, help anybody at the drop of a hat. And just that support was super cool, but it definitely taught me that I may probably need to bring a friend along for future markets because it's a lot to do alone. And it was just me. So yeah, it definitely is a lot to do alone. I've only done a couple of them back in kind of early days. And I don't necessarily foresee me going there. We shall see. I get crazy ideas all the time and change my mind pretty much all the time. So the beauty of life, we can change our minds. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, a lot of work and you have more coming up. Um, So it's like basically the CNC is going nonstop. um, um stuff out. <laughs> kind of I mean I'm working on customs at the same time so I definitely run the CNC for a couple hours a day um but I mean there's a lot that I make also by hand like I make the pendants that I have by hand I don't use the CNC or the laser for those um because like there's, I think there's a time and a place for the CNC personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some things that are just done quicker by hand than with the CNC. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Something that I didn't quite prepare myself for was just how mentally on I would have to be for so long. Yeah. So I literally yeah. got home and I like, I'm an introvert. Eh, I mean, I do well in public, but like, I prefer to just not (laughs) so Mm -hmm. I got home and I was like okay I'm mentally drained it's going to take me about two and a half days to recharge from all of that human interaction I think I interacted probably more with more people that day than I did in like two months total previously Mm -hmm. so I was like it's a curve (laughs) but it's so much fun and to be able to talk to people and answer their questions about my work and my process and like see their face light up when they feel just how soft something is when it's wood it's just it's so rewarding yeah yeah I completely I completely agree it's always fun to talk about the process it's always fun I think they're honestly a little bit of the reality maybe the fun part at least for me I'm just thinking could come in the fact that like understanding just in talking to somebody who has never made anything like that that oh wow maybe this is like an actual skill that like it's not just everybody does yeah this is something like yeah it is a special thing for me and it's a special thing to share like with others um sometimes I forget that especially after I've heard about the fourth grandpa that used to be a woodworker uh story um (laughs) but you know it is one of those it's like yeah no, there's not a lot of us out there that can really do this and do it well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we are at the end of our time together. I want to let you be able to tell people where they can find you and follow along with you. For sure. Um, so you can check out my website it is just www.cadenfitzgerald.com. Uh, and my Instagram handle is at underscore Caden Fitzgerald. Um, and yeah, 
that is where I am and that's where I bebop around too. And if you're not local, that's where you can find me. Otherwise I have a couple upcoming markets that I have posted on my Instagram. Sweet. Yeah. Thanks for chatting today. I really enjoyed Thank it. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate it and I'm honored that you asked me to, to chat with you <laughs> on the podcast. Absolutely. All right. Again, that was Caden Fitzgerald, and I will include the links on how you can follow along with him in the show notes for today's episode. Best place to find that is in the description of the episode on your favorite podcast app. Now, a reminder, there are only two episodes left uh, to the podcast, like, forever. After this episode, um, have one more guest interview and then another episode to just kind of wrap up the podcast, uh, talk about how we started, where we've been, and how we're ending. So, in the meantime, uh, please share your favorite or favorites episodes um with a friend and uh again i will be continuing to um manage the rss feed so that the all the interviews are still out there and available to any and all who would like to listen in the future all right i'll be back with the second to last episode and in the meantime uh let's all go Built a craft a revolution. She, her, them, they got something they wanna say. Solution for the toxic masculinities. Pollution is the constant evolution of a broken institution. So here's our resolution. Because the revolution.